What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you on the late evening hours of Tuesday, June 28th, as I am recording this before midnight. What do you know? That's a rarity. Let's get into it. It's the Cardinals looking good once again, taking down the Miami Marlins on Tuesday night at Bush 5-3. to That's two in a row for the Redbirds as they will go for the series sweep on Wednesday. Going to be a little tough, though, considering they will face Sandy Alcantara. You surely remember him, the former Cardinal. But let's get into the happy thoughts from Tuesday's game as Wednesday could prove to be a little bit more challenging. Cardinals got it done 5-3 to three over the Marlins, as I mentioned. Dakota Hudson was on the mound tonight for the Cardinals. And boy, is there a more polarizing pitcher in the Cardinals rotation than Dakota Hudson? I guess I shouldn't ask that question because that'll depend on whether you consider Jack Flaherty as part of the Cardinals rotation. He's definitely pretty polarizing at this point. But I mean, I think back the last couple few years, and it seems like the opinions on Dakota Hudson vary amongst Cardinals fans more than maybe any other player for a while, certainly on the pitching side. Carlos Martinez maybe was to that level of polarization just among fans, media, people talking about this particular player. Dakota Hudson ends up getting the brunt of a lot of that, and I understand why to an extent. We've talked about that sometimes the way it just looks physically, optically, For Dakota Hudson, when things aren't going well, it can be frustrating to watch him go about his business. Doesn't strike out a lot of guys, so that's not very exciting to see from a pitcher. Strikeouts typically indicative of effectiveness, and if you're missing bats, you're probably a more effective pitcher. I understand all that. And when Dakota Hudson isn't striking guys out and is allowing hard contact, the hits tend to rack up for the opposing team, and... Lots of hits and occasionally walks. That's certainly something that's plagued Dakota throughout his Cardinals career. All of those things sort of add up to, on some nights, you just don't really know what you're going to get. With certain guys, you kind of know what to expect. Adam Wainwright's going to probably throw a lot of strikes. He's going to work quick. He's going to be efficient most of the time. He talked about after Monday's outing, having a 20-pitch first inning, and he said, I told myself after that I can't continue to to do that. I'm not going to last very long in this game if I keep doing that. Adam Wainwright tells himself, eight-pitch inning. That's all he allows himself mentally. And obviously, you're going to go over that more times than not. But it's just about his mentality of working quickly, getting through the lineup, giving his offense a chance to do what they need to do to win the game. And for Dakota Hudson, he just doesn't always have that consistency with strike throwing, with staying in the zone, with keeping guys off the base paths. And so I think on the days that it really doesn't look good, it looks extra bad for Dakota Hudson. There's not often a middle ground. Sometimes he just looks like he's on. He's working quick with pace. Not a lot of base runners. When the base runners do get on, they typically are erased on a double play, and he can throw seven, eight innings on 90 pitches, and everybody's happy. Typically not a middle ground. Well, tonight was arguably more of a middle ground for Dakota Hudson. Five innings, gave up three runs, all of them earned. Six hits and one walk in those five innings, so seven base runners allowed. Just the three strikeouts. I mentioned he doesn't get a ton of them. And tonight, that was there was no exception. But five innings, three runs, 
it just depends on what your expectations are for Dakota Hudson, honestly. I think that is how you frame your opinion on this player. What do you expect him to be? What do you need him to be? If you look right now, I've seen this argument. I was reading some tweets from Brandon Kiley, 101 ESPN, and he basically said tonight that the Cardinals' need for a starter is about more than just Jack Flaherty's injury. Hudson simply has not performed as expected. And I think it depends on the way you look at it. If you expected Dakota Hudson to fill the Jack Flaherty spot now that he's not there right now and hasn't been there all season, then sure, that would be expectations coloring your viewpoint of Dakota Hudson not being enough for this Cardinals team. But at the same time, I I think if you don't look at it that way, if you look at Dakota Hudson as number four, number five starter for this team, and in most circumstances, like with a team at full health, he would have been coming into the year, arguably your four or your five. Depends on what you would have thought about Steven Matz coming into the year. I would have said Matz maybe even a little higher pedigree than Hudson, so you maybe say Matz number four, Hudson number five, but whatever you would have thought coming in, Here's what the reality is right now. Steven Matt's on the injured list, although he did pitch again tonight in Memphis. Looked pretty good working his way back. Probably going to need a couple more rehab starts, it sounds like. But he's not in the Major League rotation right now. Jack Flaherty, very much not in the Major League rotation right now and not looking to be anytime soon. There's no official timeline on that, but you know he's down for 15 days. I'm thinking it's going to be more like 30 to 45. I'm thinking four to six weeks. For Flaherty, and then you get yourself into early August, and maybe by then he's back with the team or working his way back. But he's injured. Injuries happen. We got Steven Matz, Jack Flaherty both on the injured list. And so at that point, okay, Dakota Hudson is kind of your de facto number three. I can see that argument. I don't think that's fair, though, to Dakota Hudson to say, well, this is what he needs to be because the guys in front of him that were supposed to do this or that are hurt, and they're not there now. Injuries happen. Just give Dakota Hudson credit for pitching and, and being healthy at this point. Like, I mean, that's, that's what you're getting from Michaelis and Wainwright. That's pretty good. You're glad for it. Hudson's been able to stay healthy this year, so that's a positive. And typically, guys coming right off of Tommy John, as he did last year, missed the majority of the season but came back toward the end and looked pretty good, all things considered, for the timing of when his surgery uh, happened. But yeah, Dakota Hudson is really having his first full season back from Tommy John, first of all. And that's something that typically you see guys make a a market improvement and uptick in their second full season. But it's kind of weird because he did come back late last year. And so I felt maybe, okay, does that give him an advantage this year in terms of his ability to get right back to what he's capable of doing? And then part of the reason I think that this is such a polarizing player is because you ask the question, well, what is he capable of doing? And you might get a variety of answers. You look at his win-loss record and his ERA over the course of his career, it paints the picture of a an ace-like pitcher, to be honest with you. 2018, he was pitching out of the bullpen, so a little different, but good rookie campaign when he came up around the trade deadline. That was late July or so that he came up, if I recall. 4-1 with a 2.63 ERA. Okay, good debut. Next year, he wins the starting spot over John Gant in the 2019 spring training at 24 years old. 16-7 and seven with a 3.35 ERA. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, you like seeing that from Dakota Hudson. Did lead the league in walks, though, with 86. Anytime you've got a bold, italic number on your baseball reference page, 
tells you you led the league and led all of the major leagues if it's in italics as well. And that's what it was for Dakota Hudson in 2019. But you look at 16 wins and three and a half, 3.3 ERA, you're happy about that. 174 innings, you're certainly happy about that. Guy was your number five starter coming out of camp. 2020, it was pretty good. 2.77 ERA, made eight starts. That was the, the COVID year, so hard to get a real sample on that situation. Didn't get very deep, didn't even average five innings per start, but that was a sign of the times. And then, of course, late that year ends up with Tommy John. Goes on the injured list in September, I believe it was, and, and was out until about September of 2021. A couple of good outings, eight and two-thirds innings. He only pitched in two games, one start, ERA of 2.0, 2.08. And then coming into tonight, he was a 5-4 and four with the 3.72 ERA, and that has gone up to about 3.83 for Dakota Hudson after five innings of three-run baseball. Now, he is your winner tonight, which we could go hours and hours on whether the pitcher win. Does it mean anything at all? Is it even worth bringing up? If you ask pitchers, they would tell you it does. So I, I do think that that's worth mentioning that whether you're uh, analytics kind of person, sabermetrics, whatever you like, whatever numbers you prefer, I do think the pitcher win and you may be listening to this and saying, oh, you're such an old fogey. What a, because that, I mean, that's an opinion of a lot of people out there. If I even, if you even talk about the win, people get frustrated and say, that's irrelevant. Don't bring it up. I think it does matter because at the end of the day, you are trying to win games, but contextualize it, understand what it means, understand that it's a flawed statistic, but you can still say, Hey, in a situation like tonight where Cardinals were battling, he gave up three runs in the third inning. Cardinals got down 3 nothing. I mean, Dakota Hudson doesn't get the pitcher win tonight if he doesn't grind through those next couple of innings and find a way to keep it scoreless at that point and leave the game after the fifth ahead 5-3. to three. Like, with the Cardinals offense, I can recognize that that had nothing to do necessarily with what Dakota Hudson was doing on the mound during the other half of those innings. But it's a team game. It's an individual game played in a team setting. The pitcher's job is to pitch and, and to get it done. The, the fielders individually have to back him up, and and then you play almost a completely different sport. You go on the other side. It's your turn to bat, and that action has really nothing to do with what took place the prior inning. But momentum happens. These are people. These are individual. They're humans. They, they feed off of the flow of the game. And Dakota Hudson, there's something to be said for the fact that in the fourth and fifth innings, he was able to keep it scoreless after – a spot where you could have seen him sort of fall off the rails a little bit there after a three-run third inning. And after the fourth and after the fifth, in the bottom half of those innings, the Cardinals were able to put runs on the board. And that ends up being the difference in the game. They only scored in two innings tonight. It's hard to win in only scoring in two innings, but if your opposition only scores in one inning, I guess that does give you a better chance. Cardinals got the line moving in the fourth inning with Dylan Carlson getting a base hit to score Tommy Edmond, and then they really got it moving in the fifth. And Mundo Sosa got the start at shortstop. This was big for him. He hits a triple. Edmond drives him in, steals second. Dylan Carlson ends up scoring on a ground rule double. Wouldn't have scored on the ground rule double if he hadn't stolen second base uh, because they would have sent him back to third. That's just the way the ground rule double works. And then, of course, Paul Goldschmidt does what he does, gets a base hit, kind of a, a cheapy, but it, it works, man. You put it into that Bermuda Triangle, so to speak. Got the Cardinals a little bit of insurance there in the fifth inning. 
So not an altogether raucous day for the St. Louis offense, but they did enough. And Dakota Hudson did enough. That's sort of what I want to get back to is, sure, if you expect this guy to be a number three starter and a guy that, you know, you want in your playoff rotation, you might be a little squeamish about the idea of him making a playoff start. If it's a three-game series, you only need three starters. If it's a four-game, or pardon me, if it's a best of five, you really only need three, depending on how the off days go. And then in the best of sevens, you, you're going to need four. And so you might say, well, right now, he would be slated into that rotation. Sure, I get that, but hopefully by September, Jack Flaherty's back. Hopefully, Stephen Matz is back pitching well. Hopefully, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Jordan Hicks. Hopefully, Dakota Hudson improves where he's at right now, right? But a 3.83 ERA, does he always get there in the most comfortable ways? No, he doesn't. Like I said, stylistically, it can be difficult to watch, and it's not consistent. You don't always know what you're going to get. But I got to be honest, I'm, I think the Dakota Hudson slander honestly goes a little bit too far because the ERA is sub four and he doesn't need to be your number one, your number two, or even, no, he doesn't need to be your number three. I don't agree with that rhetoric. I don't think that's right. Just because you had your number three and your number four get injured, or if you would have considered Jack Flaherty your number one or your number two, Jack Flaherty was not my number one coming into the year. No, sir. That would be Adam Wainwright. But Wayno has has pitched pretty well. ERA is about three. He's stayed healthy. It's another reason that he's your number one because for all the injuries that Adam Wainwright has had throughout his career, he's been very, very durable in more recent years. Ever since that switch sort of flipped for him at the end of 2018, he's come back and just been an absolute bulldog. Taking the ball, going deep into games. So he's been able to do that. Miles Michaelis probably was your number three mentally coming into the season. He has surpassed Jack Flaherty, certainly. Even if Flaherty was healthy in pitching, Flaherty has got to do a lot. And again, I don't want to hold an injury against a guy, but the reality is you're not performing on the field if you've got that injury, and it's impacting the trajectory and status of your career. So if I'm thinking about playoff rotation right now, Wainwright and Michaelis are the two guys I want to see out there. And do you need a third guy that you trust a little more? Yeah, you do. But guess what? The playoffs don't start today. They start in October. Cardinals are very likely going to be involved in a three-game series at that point in time, whether they win the Central or they don't. With the wild card, the way the thing's shaken up this year, only two teams, only two division winners from each league are going to get that bye into the next round, into the division round as we all know it for the best of five. And so, yeah, you're going to have to cross that bridge at some point. Can you do that via the trade market? Sure. We're going to talk a lot about guys like Frankie Montas in the coming month or so because he's probably going to get moved. The Athletics are a dumpster fire, and he's a good pitcher, and he would be a bonafide number three or better on a team like the Cardinals, especially right now with the injuries that they have. But I just think the slander for Dakota Hudson is just a little bit much. Like, this guy is not consistent. And like I said, it's got to be more just the the aura of what it feels like to watch him pitch has gotten people so upset at times that they they just are not willing to look at the entire body of work and say, yeah, there are games where this guy puts a team on his back and just completely makes it happen. Have there been as many of those games recently? No, but he it's kind of what happens because he does. He pitches to contact, he doesn't strike out a lot of guys, and sometimes he walks a ton of guys, and it infuriates you. Rightfully so. But at the end of the day, his style can work with this team. He can, it can work with this team that had five gold glove players on its daily lineup last year. It can work with a Nolan Arnado at third. It can work with Goldschmidt at first base. It can work with 
Tommy Edmond in either spot up the middle. And Dylan Carlson probably someday wins a gold glove as well. He's playing more center field right now with Bader out. But my point is this. I, it can work to have Dakota Hudson in your rotation. Don't look at the FIP. Don't look at the fielding independent pitching. Yes, look at the walk totals and be concerned about those when they're bad. Tonight, they weren't, though. Only one. For De- Dakota Hudson in his last three starts prior to tonight, two walks, five walks, three walks. That's not really going to get it done. And you saw that in the scorebook. Seven innings, six runs. Five innings, two runs. Passable start on the 18th of June against Boston. Cardinals luckily scored a bunch of runs that day, and it wasn't really a concern. Won that game going away. And then at Milwaukee, four and a third, five runs, three walks, seven hits. It's a slog. Nobody's happy. I get it. But, like, can we completely ignore the three starts before that when, yes, it was a little frustrating to watch him walk four guys on the 27th of May against the Brewers, but four and two-thirds didn't give up a run. Again, yeah, he's got to work around traffic. The defense that he has behind him allows him to do that. If he went to any other team, if you plucked Dakota Hudson out of the Cardinals rotation and put him anywhere else, he's probably going to have an ERA of about 4.8 or 4.5. It's just going to be the reality of what it is. Cardinals are the best defensive team in the major leagues. They just are. Even without Tyler O'Neill and Bader in the lineup right now, I, I still am going to take that to the bank. So he's set up for success here in St. Louis. The style of pitching that he uses can work. There are going to be days where it doesn't. But I mentioned four and two-thirds, no runs. Seven innings, one run. Seven innings, one run. Over those last two seven-inning outings that he had, June 1st and the 7th, only one walk in each of those starts, and that is the that is the key for Dakota Hudson. Tonight, he limited the walks, just gave up the one, and even though he gave up six hits in five innings, that's not a good ratio. Your whip doesn't love you for that. With the defense that he has in play, you're going to be able to win games that way, and that's what the Cardinals did tonight. So I went a little long on Dakota Hudson talk today, but he was the starting pitcher. I do think it's a valid conversation because the the main – Topic of discussion, I think, surrounding this team for the next four or five weeks is going to be what do they do about the rotation? Are internal options going to be enough? How can they fix it? And is it prudent to do so in terms of what do they have to give up to to acquire the players that they need to fix the rotation? Absolutely. And it's going to be something we probably talk about in darn near every B-Shape Daily episode. So make sure you subscribe. Shameless plug. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Somebody did leave me an additional review on Apple Podcasts, by the way. I know a lot of you do listen via Apple. Uh, 26 reviews so far, but I know more of you are listening. I I do see the numbers. So would love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be just like a little gift to me because I see it when you do. Like I'll notice it. So I appreciate you guys who are doing so. But we'll be talking about it because it's going to be a main topic of what this Cardinals team does to either succeed or kind of fall by the wayside and not be much of a threat when it comes to October. You do have to have at least three. Does Dakota Hudson have to be one of those three? No. He doesn't even have to be one of those four. But I don't think in late June, you have to necessarily press the panic button about him specifically, especially not on a night where he he did get the win. So honestly, for me, I feel fine about Dakota Hudson. Do the Cardinals need a starter? Yeah, they probably do. That's not a Dakota Hudson problem, though. They just, I mean, if you go get Frankie Montas, boom, he's your number three or number two, however you want to call it, and he's in he's in your playoff rotation. But as it stands, I'm willing to step back, give Dakota a little bit more credit for what he did tonight. Five innings, three runs, got the win, 
held it right there in those middle innings where you were in a situation, you're down in the game, and your team got, I think, the confidence to come back because when you see the starter, you see the bullpen in the middle innings, those four, five, six, seven, those those areas of the game when you're trailing by whatever it is, one run, three runs, whatever it is. Tonight for the Cardinals, it was three until they scored in the fourth, and then they're down by two. But Dakota's like, no, it's fine. I'm going to throw another zero up. Go do it. And they did in the bottom of the fifth. So when you're doing that, I think it can be an encouraging factor for a pitcher to keep it right there. And so I'm not going to completely bash Dakota Hudson. I think he's a very viable number four or number five starter. And two weeks from now, he could have thrown up, you know, 13 scoreless innings over his next two starts. And suddenly we're like, oh, yeah, his ERA is 3.0, same as Adam Wainwright. Maybe the same as Miles Michaelis by then. You, we don't know. We don't know what what the future is going to bring for those guys. I think Michaelis is a little lower than that right now, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, one bad start brings you up. Yeah, he's 2.57. Damn, he's been good. He was really good over the weekend against the Cubs, man. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts. That must have been the Saturday game because I don't think we did a podcast that day. So I didn't get a full chance to appreciate what he was up to. But he's been really good this year. Should be an all-star, by the way. Absolutely should be an all-star for Miles Michaelis. But I'm let me get back to the, the ebbs and flows of Dakota Hudson's season. There have been times this year where you look at his ERA and go, oh, wow, is it really that low? It's below three? I mean, after June 7th, it was 2.76. He's only had four starts since then. And yeah, he's gone up a full run. He has had a, a little bit of a a more treacherous run in his last four games. It's slowly been creeping up. He could just as easily, I'm telling you, because we've seen it before. We've seen it this season. We've seen it this month. Dakota Hudson is a little bit streaky. I think it's as a result of, hey, balls are going to be put in play and they're either going to be caught or they're not. Yes, you can control the exit velocity. You don't want to give up hard hit balls. That's just obvious, but... Even if you do, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you won't, and that's going to dictate your ERA on those days. He's had games this year, six innings, no runs, six and two-thirds, no runs. Gave up walks even in those games, but didn't give up nearly as many hits. That was back in April. He had consecutive starts giving up two and one hit, but he gave up four and three walks, uh, but found a way to get through those. Double plays helped. Didn't strike out a ton, only four strikeouts in each of those games. So the balls are still getting in play. It's just a matter of softer contact. Defense makes plays behind you. Some days they will, some days they won't. When you're reliant upon a defense like Dakota Hudson is, it's not to say the defense was bad in in certain games. I mean, sometimes they're inevitably going to be. And when you give up two home runs, as he did last week against Milwaukee, you know, there's not really, that's not the defense's fault. They can't catch a ball that goes over the fence. But when you look at Dakota Hudson, and I can remember that 16-7 and seven season with a 3.35 ERA, I came on here after that and said, you know what, coming into 2020, I think he can be pretty good, but it's just a matter of limiting the walks. You don't want to lead the league in walks again. Don't do that. And if you do walk, guys, you cannot give up the long ball. You cannot combine walks with homers. It is an absolutely disastrous outcome waiting to happen. And so if... I still maintain that, first of all, it's a guy who's probably not as sharp as he's going to be right now because he is still only about 18 months or so removed from Tommy John, whatever that is. Maybe it's a little more than that, but this is his first full season 
since Tommy John. He pitched two games last year just to get his feet wet because, and it made sense. It was just like, all right, get back on the field, see what it feels like. Whatever happens, happens. But I think it'll be good for your progress just to go into the offseason normal to know I did get on the mound. I don't have to spend the entire winter wondering if I can. I I did, and I I showed that I'm I'm still Dakota Hudson, and that's a good mental hurdle to get through. Now he's coming out with his first full season. But again, that injury, it does sometimes take another year to really get the sharpness back and your effectiveness back to where you want it to be. And so that's going to be something that we have to watch for with Dakota Hudson. But the home runs, outside of last outing when he gave up two, he hadn't given up a home run to that point since May 8th. And so definitely, I think an improvement in terms of the home runs, it's not like he's given up one every outing. A couple times this year, he's given up two. His first outing of the year, he did that. But on the season, just six. Didn't give up any tonight. I think Dakota Hudson could end up being just fine. But it does, more of a target goes onto his back when you look at the guys that aren't there right now in the rotation. Andre Pallante going a long way toward taking a little bit of the heat off of everybody else, right? Like if he has a good start every fifth day, Pumped out a quality start the last time he pitched. Six innings, three runs. He'll pitch tomorrow night against Sandy Alcantara. Good luck with that, young man. Because Sandy, is, uh, he's on one this year. I mean, he's been really good. The former Cardinal. It seems like he faces the Cardinals. For as, as few of times the Cardinals face the Marlins throughout a season, it seems like they do face Sandy at least twice a year. Like, he's always pitching in the, in the series that the Cardinals are pitching. Or that the Cardinals are facing the Marlins, I should say. And if I were the Marlins, I would line it up that way as well. He's got a 1.95 ERA coming into this game. Actually, his last start, June 24th against the Mets, was his worst start of the year. Gave up four earned runs, five total runs. He still went seven innings. <laughs> Can you believe the Cardinals gave this guy up, man? Look at this. This game log is just ridiculous. And I say of the year, this game log is only going back to early May, so I'm I'm not going to go find the rest of it, but... Here's Sandy Alcantara over his last, oh, I don't know, eyeballing it, nine or ten starts. I'm just going to give you the innings. Seven, eight, nine, eight, seven, nine, seven and two-thirds, eight, seven. He hasn't had a game since May 6th in which he has not gone seven innings or more. That is the definition of a workhorse, and holy smokes. Like, if the Cardinals at the time had traded Jack Flaherty for Marcelo Zuna instead of Alcantara, people would have lost their minds because Flaherty was much higher in the pecking order. Shows what we know. Sandy Alcantara is unequivocally the better pitcher. It, at this point, and maybe that's not fair to say because we've seen flashes of brilliance from Jack Flaherty in 2019. But from a durability standpoint, and again, I don't hold that against Jack Flaherty personally. It's just the reality. Like This is a, a business. This is a sport where your performance on the field dictates. And right now, holy smoke, Sandy Alcantara is dictating. And uh, I expect him to probably do that to the Cardinals tomorrow night, but I will be down there at the ballpark because I uh, I want to see him pitch. He had a 14-strikeout game earlier in the season against the Braves in eight innings. He is just so dynamite. I don't know how he didn't see it. There are some people out there who probably did and said, oh, no, I would have never traded Alcantara. I would have tried to trade Dakota Hudson. Like, that was another guy who was a prospect at the time, um, you know, it happens. Sometimes you trade the wrong guy. It's not to say that Flaherty and Hudson can't and haven't been good contributors for the Cardinals, but Alcantara is one of the rare pitchers in the game today that is a legitimate dominant ace, like throwback ace. He's only 26 years old.
man, we'll talk about more tomorrow, I'm sure, on B-Shaped Daily. Um, but I've gone on too long about him for a game that he hasn't even pitched yet. We'll, we'll talk about how he does on Wednesday. But I did, before we get out of here, want to bring up another bullpen performance tonight from the Cardinals because Gio, Helsley, they both did the job. Uh, they looked freaking nasty, too. Gio threw a few more pitches. He walked a guy in his eighth inning uh, through like 22, 23 pitches, something like that. Actually, I have it right here. 26. And so he was around the zone a little bit more. Ryan Helsley, this dude absolutely has to be an all-star. He struck out the side in the ninth inning to finish it out. Only his sixth save of the year. Who cares? I don't care about the save numbers. His ERA is 0.3. 0.30. Ridiculous job by Hell's Bells this year for the Cardinals. But that's actually neither of those guys are the ones that I really wanted to talk about. I want to talk about Junior Fernandez, baby. This guy is real. He's here to stay. I'm I'm declaring it now. The first couple of times that I saw it, I was like, I don't know. Is this really the real Junior or is the other junior going to rear his ugly head where he just doesn't throw enough competitive pitches? He throws at 100, but you don't know where it's going. And, I mean, he's still got a little bit of that, but he pumps strikes now relative to what he had been doing. His ERA is still zero. And, uh, yeah, he looks good. He looks good. And look at this. He's come out in the last couple of outings, 1.2 innings, 2.0 innings. That's what he did tonight through multiple innings. This is a weapon. I mean, you take him in Oviedo, suddenly the Cardinals' bullpen situation does look drastically different. Of course, this week now we're talking about the the starting rotation and the issues with that, but I'm telling you what, I've really liked what I've seen from Junior Fernandez in the month of June. He came up on the 23rd. That was his first appearance, one and two-thirds, and then the next night, pitching on a back-to-back. Like, we can argue about whether that's fair to Junior because they don't ever throw Helsley on a back-to-back. They don't do it with Gio very often. But whatever. Junior's like, I don't care. I want to pitch. I want to show that I deserve to be here and stay here. And I think that's why they did it. That's why they pitched him on the back-to-back on the 24th of June against the Cubs because they're like, hey, I mean, we know we've got guys on the COVID list. We've got injuries. But, you know, if you pitch a couple times and you don't impress, you only get maybe two appearances in five days. And suddenly it's like, yeah, he didn't make enough of an impression to stay. Sorry, Junior. But uh, they let him pitch that back-to-back. He thrived. They let him pitch again two days later. He thrived. Tonight, two days later, again, he thrived. He looks nasty. He's throwing 100. He's been absolutely brilliant. Five strikeouts to one walk over the course of June. It, it Really, it's only been about a week since he's been here. He's came into four different games in the last, what is the date today, the 28th? He's come into four games in the last six days. If my math is, uh, is my, if my math is on, there it is on. Four games in six days for Junior. I would give him a day or two right now for sure. Don't want his arm to fall off, but I like what I see. I really do like what I see. Six and a third innings, five strikeouts, one walks. Uh, one walks. One walk. How many hits, you ask? A zero. Has not given up a base hit in June. Really impressive stuff from Junior Fernandez. He's in my circle of trust. Boom. Done. I've minted him, and that probably cursed him too. He's going to end up having a, a rough week now, isn't he? No, I think he's okay. I think he's really changed. It's like he literally flipped a switch. He's always been able to throw 99-100. But now he's doing it more consistently, placing it where it needs to go. The slider is wicked when you're locating your fastball, and that's what he's experiencing. It's exactly what they need to see from Jordan Hicks. Locate the 100, and they won't know what to do with the slider. So really good stuff tonight from Junior. Needed to give him a little bit of credit. He was flat-out nasty, as were the other relievers coming out of the bullpen. 
And listen, when you've got a bullpen that can do that, that can throw up zeros for four innings in a row, didn't give up a hit in four innings with Fernandez, Gallegos, Helsley, only one walk reached. It was Geo's, and they combined to strike out seven guys in four innings. Yeah, if you're Dakota Hudson, five innings and three runs is all you're going to need. But you don't want to do that consistently because those guys all pitch tonight and probably aren't available tomorrow. And so that's the name of the game. That's what Ollie Marmel has to continue to think about as he manages this bullpen and this team throughout the summer. But things are looking pretty good right now, if you ask my opinion. Cardinals hanging in there, of course, in the division race against the Wiley Milwaukee Brewers. Cardinals get the win tonight. They've won the series. It's good to be able to do that. Brewers are hanging in there, though, as well, playing well against Tampa. They got the win today, 5-3 as well. And so the Cardinals are just a half game behind because the Brewers were off yesterday. So you're right up there. You're in the thick of it. You go for the sweep on Wednesday against Sandy Alcantara. Andre Pallante, do your do your best, my friend, um, because Sandy's going to be he's going to be a lot. <laughs> it's going to be a lot to try and uh, to work that out. But you know what? We'll see what he's able to do. He's a rookie. He doesn't know any better. Uh, he's got a good demeanor. I like that, Andre Pallante. And so we'll see what he's able to come with on Wednesday. Come with, come up with on Wednesday against Sandy Cardinals and Marlins from Bush Stadium, six forty-five start. That's going to do it, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Join us tomorrow when we talk about that game and break down what happens in the series finale against the Marlins. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. It means a lot to me to have you on board. Let me know if you've ever got any questions at B-Shape for 12 on Twitter. I uh, just had somebody drop in my DMs today asking about the series in Philadelphia. They were curious when they might get to see Albert because they, it's a fan of another team that wanted to see if they could get one more glimpse at Albert Pujols before he retires. He's coming through town. I said, listen, Whenever the lefty starts, that's that's the game to go for. Albert did start tonight, got a base hit to break an over later in the game. That was good to see. But uh, yeah, anything you have to you want to ask or or know about or comment about or just chat it up, I'm I'm always happy to do that at BCA for twelve. Click the direct messages button and you'll find me. Appreciate you guys as always. We'll talk to you next time on B Shape Daily. Peace.